Is that a clock or a phone? Uh, that was my doorbell ringing, but I'm pretty sure Ashley's in. It's a nice doorbell. Can yeah. I just check she is in? Hold on. It's a good start to the pod. Uh. The sound of a man answering his door. Oh my god, this is an absolute farce. I got Ashley some chocolates to celebrate the end of her busy season at work. And Amazon lost them. Yeah. So I ordered a replacement. And the replacement has just arrived, it looks like, half an hour after the original got delivered. So she now has a feast. Oh, it's no, that's good. I like it when it does that. I got two copies of quite an expensive board game from that happening. Yeah, I ain't complaining, put it that way. Because nice. I yeah, got them for free, innit? What a scam. Actually, that means <laughs> nice. I guzzle loads of the second box and, and not feel like a bad gift giver. I wouldn't even give her the second box. I'd give her the first box, pretend the second box didn't turn up and eat it in your office secretly. <laughs> oh my God. That, yeah, I probably will, actually. <laughs> Matthew Castle, the secret Solero eater, strikes again. <laughs> Welcome to the Electronic Wireless Show, episode 126, the best magic and game special. This is Rock, Paper, Shotguns, PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. Uh, me being Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week for our magic special by Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> the magical cat from Cats. Remember me? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. There never was... Was it? Oh, well, there never a was a cat so, so clever... clever. As me, Mr. Mistopheles. He's broken every human law. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, I'm only going to say this once because otherwise Cullen will have to beep out every mention of your name. But uh, Gandalf the (laughs) s***. Hello, Frodo. Oh, is it Gandalf but Northern? Is that... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ian McKellen is Northern. He's, it's him. Um, uh, who's his mate without any hair? Um, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, he's a Yorkshireman, isn't he? But yeah, I, I, and I can't say I detect an, an accent of any kind. And Ken Branner is, is from Northern Ireland. No, is he? Yeah. Huh. In Venice, he did move away while they were quite young, but he. He still, he, he lost, it's, it's that, there's a generation of actors who are like, I must have received pronunciation or no one will employ me. So, uh, see, I, I retract Gandalf the shits being Northern as a character. It's more what I imagine, like a really like seething with anger, Boromir muttering after okay. Gandalf has made a decision, just more like Gandalf the shit. That's Stop that's, saying it! <laughs> We've look. Me and Matthew already agreed. It's soft swear. It doesn't count. 
It, no, the standard is if you wouldn't want your toddler to say it. I would want my toddler to say it. I would it's be hilarious. Delighted. Yeah, I would be delighted in fact. What a cute affectation. All right, the standard is you're creating an unnecessary amount of work for a co-worker. How about that? Okay, now you're talking. Yeah. Now you're talking. There you go. Yeah, because if you say, oh, I don't care, then you're mean, aren't you? Why? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. How, uh, how, that's how that's us scolded. <laughs> how are you both? Humiliated. Uh, mm. Yeah, thinking hard about my actions. <laughs> yeah. Thinking well, about poor Colm having to like take the, the cassette tape this is recorded on to his grindstone down in the editing hole. The editing dungeon. Mm. There, was a, there was a comment on one of our videos the other day where someone was making fun of me for pronouncing his name correctly. They're like, why does he always call him Cullum? It's because that's his name. It's like, that's, that's how you say it. Trust me, like, it, I, I, I thought it was Colm for ages, but it's not. He does say that no English person can pronounce his name without, like, when they first try, it's like they're swallowing their own tongue. Are, are there some C-O-L-M's who are Colms, though? Yeah, there are. I think when you get towards, like, Dublin, like, Colm, Colm Meany, maybe? Colm yeah, right. Who, um, so he, so he's more Colm call him Colm, I think. Hmm. Meany, what a name. Sad, oh, yeah. sad Star Trek man, yeah. Um, He's not mean either. He's quite generous. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, but no, we're all good. All, all excited. My scaffolding's coming down this week. Very excited yeah. about that. Did you have to secure a parking space for the lorry? No. It just, they just, it just oh. appeared one day. It's been there for months. It's really, it blocks all the light coming into our flat. It's very depressing. Um, Some people think scaffolders leave it up as an advertisement for their uh, scaffolding company. Well, that only works, though, because I can't look at scaffolding and go, that's some good scaffolding, that, I'll use them. So I guess it would only work if you're also in, in, the, in the business. Well, yeah, but that's what, they, that's what I'm saying. They try and leave it up so as you're driving through town, mm. you see, you know... Oh, Big Barry scaffolding everywhere. Yeah. And you go, oh, if I need a scaffolding, I'll get Big Barry because... Love Big Barry, yeah. <laughs> you know, his poles seem to be up everywhere. Or maybe it's like cats weeing on leaves <laughs> to, like, stop other cats from intruding on their territory. It's like, you know, this this is Bazaar Town. <laughs> keep, keep your poles out. Mm. This is where the, my poles are here. Um, well, that, well, yeah, but I, I was going to nature's way, <laughs> nature's way. I was going to say I have quite, I'm have exciting news this week because my blood is literally fat blood. <gasps> of course, mm. it's been yeah. replaced with duck fat, hasn't it? Yeah, no, I got. Um, <laughs> that would be horrible, wouldn't it? Um, I because I'm transitioning to a new medication, I had uh, had to have a load of blood tests done. And they discovered that I am very anemic. Uh, I thought that I had to pause while walking up flights of stairs because I'm just lazy. Mm. But it turns out that I have no iron in my blood. My blood is basic. My blood is as strong as American lager. Um, and There's an opportunity uh, there for, a, for another killer, Ian McKellen line from X-Men 2, which says, too much iron in your blood. 
Exactly what I was going to say. I never have to worry about Magneto because I have the opposite problem. (laughs) We are the Uh, future, not them, Charles. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I but my because they want to put me on this new medication, they wanted to get my my blood levels up ASAP. Mm. So uh, rather than giving me iron infusions, they were like, "No, we're just going to put two pints of someone else in you." So that happened on Sunday. Did you, did you get to pick the person? No, I thought that would be good if they put you just get an anonymous bag. That oh. uh, honestly, when it's empty, it looks like an empty Capri Sun, oh. like looking. Looking at an empty blood bag and you do hear like the straw noise. It's amazing. Um, no, but I thought it'd be good if they put like, uh, like, you know, the person's Instagram or Twitter on the bag. So you I'd, get, I'd ask for the blood from The Rock because he's so strong, isn't he? That's, he, he probably got amazing blood. It's yeah, because then you'd, you'd, get, you'd get a load of steroids at the same time, wouldn't you? So that would be... <gasps> Are you accusing Dwayne The Rock Johnson of steroid use? <laughs> <laughs> I'd bait on. What can I say except that's libel? <laughs> I said probably. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, he probably does. You'd probably uh, pick up some followers by saying, like, I've got some of The Rock's blood. People like The Rock that much. You'd, they do, you'd probably true. gain a bit of an Instagram following off the back of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it'd be like getting blood out of a stone. But yeah, no, it took, it, it, it took, takes two hours per bag. Because I suppose if, if they just shot it all in too quickly, my arm would inflate. Oh, God. Uh, if they squeezed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, hand and it goes. Yeah, exactly. Like, a, like, a, like, like. What's her face? The blueberry girl off of Willy Wonka, but of blood. She doesn't pop, though, does she? She doesn't. But what she do you mean, like the queen after they put sugar? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was good. I sat there, I was there basically all day, getting a bit of a stranger dripped into me, and also because I, so I need to ingest the blood of other. I'd say ingest. I need to, yeah. I prey on the blood of others for energy and also I can't eat very much garlic or I get sick. So mm. you'd be the judge. Draw your I think own you're a Frankenstein, yeah. How do you do with a tan? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I burn very easily. Well, there you go. It's not looking good for you. Evidence is stacking a up. Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I recommend blood transfusions. It's quite restful. <laughs> What hammer but, horror monsters would we be if if you were the Dracula or the Dracula? I feel like Nate is the Frankenstein, not the monster, as in Nate is Frankenstein. Mm. But you'd, you'd yeah, your but, <laughs> nah, but your but your Frankenstein's monster would be like you, you've made like an ambulatory shark that has that can live on land and has like octopus tentacles or something. Like yours would be fish based. Yeah, that sounds legit. Actually, it's probably the the thing I'd do. Fish Frankenstein. 
Mm. Whereas uh, Matthew, well, I guess you'd be the Wolfman, wouldn't you? Totally reasonable human being. He then just hammers his like claws <laughs> on fish tanks like a beast. <laughs> on the Invisible Man, just forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday's news. Oh God. <laughs> God. Well, I don't know how to transition from that to talking about magic. <laughs> Well, I mean, monsters are a sort of magic, aren't they? Yeah, let's go with that. Why not? So, yeah, this week we're talking about our favourite magics in games. Um, It's possible we've done this before, but I don't remember it, so... (laughs) You know. Uh, Who wants to start, or shall I start? Hit us up with some magic. Sorry, I had some. I just drank some seven up, and it went down the wrong way. I was was going to say it sounded like you just taken a massive toke because you went, (laughs) you you went, yeah, here's some magic, (laughs) (laughs) a massive toke of seven up sugar free. Matthew got um, inexplicably desperately into weed in the last seven days. <laughs> yeah. That's how my 2021's going. James Bong, licensed to chill. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to, I'll start by mentioning, I always mention this game when people talk about magic systems and it's probably very boring and maybe the listeners have heard me talk about it before. But um, at least once more, I shall bring it up, and that is um, Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, to give it its full title, which is Ooh, an isometric. Yeah, you just call it Arcanum. Most people do, but it's um, it's a, a top-down isometric um, uh, RPG, sort of like the original Fallout's by Troika Games, who no longer exist, and I can't remember what they turned into or what happened to them um they're not they didn't become hard suit labs who are making vampire they might have yeah Troy, Troy like made one of the vampires didn't they uh bloodlines one i think <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway um but yeah it it's uh sort of it, it's basically a, a fan a fantasy-ish rpg but like if uh, the fantasy world was also sort of uh, uh, set in a kind of Victoriana sort of steampunk kind of like the as if fan, like Lord of the Rings world had gone through uh, the Industrial Revolution, basically. So um, uh, the things like guns and steam trains and you know factories and stuff all exist, and there are big cities. That have you know uh, mechanized things everywhere and stuff, mm. and you know nice women with like nice Edwardian dresses and haircuts and stuff. But then also like orcs and elves and and half orcs and stuff, and you know dwarves uh, in like dinner jackets and stuff. It's very cool. Mm. And but the 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 point of the magic is that magic exists as well, but that magic and technology are fundamentally opposed and will not work around each other. Uh-huh. So 
um like if you get you can sort of fast travel on trains but if you're if you are a wizard or you have a wizard in your party you have to get in like a special lead lined compartment otherwise the train won't work and stuff oh that's cool yeah. that is that is that is lovely tasty world mm. it's but really I mean, really good isn't it um it's arthur c clark wasn't it saying that um any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Mm. So, like, you know, I mean, QR codes, they're basically magic, aren't they? Where would they fit in, in this world? Yeah. I don't know, because they don't have phones. They're not at that level yet. But I, sp- I suppose Arcane was saying, actually, they are distinguishable from each other and they hate each other as well. But only because um, they're in the steam, like a steam age, surely if they get further on, the lines will blur a bit. And people won't know on, what's magic and what's not. Hang on, using a stick to prise open a, a jammed shut window is technology. That's a lever. Like No, no, no I mean, it, it's, like, it's, it's anything like mechanised. Yeah, but I mean, a lever is a mechanism. Would like a wizard's stupid hands fall off if he tried to to jimmy open a window? No, you're you're being deliberately provocative, Nate, and I'm not going to rise to it. (laughs) No, I'm just just saying I've got an inherent problem with there there being a split between technology and magic because technology is like... Everything. Language is a technology. Listen, I was just... Could have to eat with his hands. (laughs) <laughs> I was just doing a a useful shorthand for oh, okay. the premise oh, of the game. Just like beasts in that world. <laughs> you just run around on all fours, wearing like nothing because clothes are a technology. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got like magical sombreros <laughs> to cover their shame. But they're also just, but they're doing it because they're incredibly proud. It's a really interesting combo. <laughs> Of shame and pride. <laughs> no, sorry, it does sound good. It does sound good. Yeah, you well, talked about this one before, and last time you yeah. talked about it, I thought, oh man, I really need to play that. And then I didn't, but I will remember well, it, it this time. It's also really good in just in terms of like um as a game, it's got a nice kind of complexity to it that um you kind of don't necessarily get. Like they're they're there's an element of like you kind of have to remember stuff for yourself that I like. So like um excuse me. Um there that you can meet like just a shady dude who's like, can you deliver this message to this house? Don't open the envelope. Uh just give it to the guy in this house. Uh and you can do that and you'll get some money and that's it. Um but if you open the envelope uh, and read it and then go to the house, the guy will be like, hang on, this has been opened, you've read it, and then attack you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, it turns out that actually that links into another quest because this woman is like, my painting's been stolen, can you try and find it? And those guys were the thieves and stuff. So, like... It's got a nice complexity to it, and it's also got a big fantasy kind of stupid end of the world story and like elves and that, you know. 
what kind of magic do the wizards actually do? Is it like pretty trad, you know, fire? Yeah, there are um, there are schools. So there's like creation and destruction, and uh, you sort of sombreros, sombreros, and you kind of level up through the um, the the schools, and and each there aren't loads of spells, but I think there's like five spells per kind of school. Um, but there's one that just is really powerful that I always go for first because it allows you to just disintegrate whatever you throw it at. Nice. <laughs> so you can use it on doors or people. Very good. Living mm. the dream. Yeah. I always find it's quite hard to, or I imagine from a design perspective, it's really, really hard to balance like, wait, you know, you've got several spells, but not a vast number. Mm. Like, making them of equivalent use. Because, oh, here's, here's a bit of plot progression for regular listeners. I did buy all the Dishonored games, and I've been playing Dishonored since last week. Oh, nice. Mm. Having a lovely time with it. Um, I, I, I've been really interested in that, how, you know, there's, what, eight skills, eight powers yeah. in, in that, and... Their differing levels of utility are wild because the, there's one uh, that's like dark sight that just lets you see through walls to people and collectibles and pretty much anything that's worth paying attention to. And that in itself makes the game about five times easier to play. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it should probably cost like 10 times as much as the other powers but it's not that exciting yeah yeah so it's cheap and i th- i think it's it's really interesting how they balance that because i was tempted to you know like oh summon the rats but summoning <laughs> the rats isn't actually of that much utility in that many situations <laughs> so i put it off and got it last um so yeah i always think there's an interesting thing balancing you know abilities that are fun versus abilities that actually make you better at the game. Yeah. I never, ever buy upgrades in either fantasy or sci-fi games that let me look through walls. I'm just not interested in looking through walls. It's just not something that appeals to me. Like, I'll get there. I'll just go in there and have a look around, you know? I'm not that impatient. Yeah, but if you see, like, the glistening outline of a cabbage behind what you thought was a painting, you're like, oh... Well, I'll just go up and touch all the paintings. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's fine if you're going to live for 200 years, I suppose. But, I mean, I don't don't want to go rummaging around like that. Oh, I love to rummage. It it depends on character builds, though, as well, doesn't it? Because if you're a squishy wizard or a rogue-type build, then it is more useful to know what is in a room before you kick the door down to yell at the fish in there. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Nice dick. I liked that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you're a big Brutus, then it's not going to matter as much what is in there because you'll be able to just destroy everyone. Yeah, I'm just confident in my peeking abilities. I'll have a little peek some other way. I'll peek through the door or through a window. (laughs) Here's a little question for both of you then. Um, I was having a think about this. This morning, yeah. um, do you prefer active magic or passive magic? 
as in give me like, some examples uh so actually um uh so for example um let's say dishonor again actually like the uh the bone charms for example that get you know make you jump higher and things like that stuff you don't have to think about but mm. just you know gives you little bonuses all the time Mm. Or things where you have to specifically cast it and think, right, I'm going to have a use of this at that orc. Definitely or a- active all the way. Yeah. I hate, I oh, hate yeah. this stuff. Numbers are so boring in game. Like, they don't mean anything unless they like manifest physically in some way, which they never do. Um, oh, no, no, come now, come now. It, it's not always just like stat increases and stuff. Sometimes it unlocks whole new ways of playing. You know, if you yeah. do, if you you know if you get some, uh, oh, I hate it when an example doesn't leap to mind. Well, like, I I don't know if this is in Dishonored, for example, but for something like if you stealth an enemy, that body will instantly dissolve, so you don't have to then hide the body. But like the game, oh, yeah, that, that's literally the thing in Dishonored. Nice one. Yes. Yeah, the game makes the decision for you. The game does a a, a helpful action for you. You don't get to trigger it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that's great. I think passive abilities are uh, useful, and if you pay attention to them, you can probably make a very kind of powerful build of a character. But in as much as I enjoy magic in games because they are kind of a cool power fantasy that I will never be able to do in real life, the the fantasy of being a wizard in real life is that you can like throw a fireball at someone, you know? Yeah. I want to press uh, a button and do magic on someone. Yeah. But I always find once I've got more than a couple of options for things, I never use them. Like, that's why I like passive things, because I get to see the gameplay effect more often because the game remembers to do it for me. Whereas I find, you know, even if it's like guns or whatever, which are nature's magic, I suppose. Like once I've got a selection of more than two or three, mm. I will generally find a favourite. Use others for novelty occasionally and forget about the rest. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I, mm. I guess it. I guess it really depends on the quality of the passive magics, like things things which are. You know, defensive. I'm not really interested in. Pretty boring. Um, things that maybe remove some busy work. Yeah, they're they're useful. But I'll always take, you know, squeezing a trigger and you know making a rat pop out of my hand. What about what? elemental damage in Borderlands? That's a magic of a sort, really, isn't it? In the Arthur C. Clarke sense. Yeah, yeah but-, but that's attached to the bullets that you're that you're actively making happen. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but the bullets would happen anyway. But, you know, it's just, you get... What was that weird purple John Cena magic in the latest one? Oh, well, there were some guys who looked like like big Ribena boys. <laughs> What's it? Wasn't that <laughs> it was like John Cena. It, it was actually John Cena crossed with the giant blueberry girl in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. God, we were so tired playing. <laughs> All I really remember from playing Borderlands 3, there was, there was a point where, for some reason, both of us were singing different iterations of the Wire theme tune. Um, 
<laughs> in duet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was that was a good time. <laughs> but what um so what's your what are your favourite magics in games, Matthew? Um I think I've mentioned Baldur's Gate before as mm. it's kind of an interesting system. Oh, it's not an interesting system, it's it's the Dungeons and Dragons system, which has been used by loads of games, but um where magic is a finite thing that you memorize and you have to have a rest to to bring it back so it's the idea that you're basically loading your brain with like 10 magic bullets to use um which like reinforces the excitement of like a spell being special um but i i find it quite trial and error i think it's a great system once you know how the game works and you've played it before and you know like what's waiting for you in a room <laughs> if only you could look through the walls um, yeah. you can um you're like oh well i know that there's like you know uh, a skeleton in there and the skeleton doesn't like this you know ball of light so i'll load in some of those ball of lights before i go in um but too often you go in and you're just left with a head full of garbage and you're just throwing whatever you happen to have at a load of random enemies and hoping it doesn't go to shit. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, shit. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, also, the magics in that game, like a lot of them follow the rules of D&D, so it's like this magic has this effect over like 20, you know, 20 foot radius. Uh, which basically means you fire a fireball and like everyone in the room, including your party, sets on fire. Like magic, <laughs> magic is a really messy, chaotic thing yeah. in in Baldur's Gate. It, it's it's why you know I kind of prefer the the turn taking of Baldur's Gate Three is because you've got time to go. Well, this magic's going to do this, and I've got a lot of control mm. over it in real time. It's 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 just a bit too chaotic, and you'll often screw yourself over in Baldur's Gate. You know, there's a um, there's like an entwined spell where like magic weeds come out of the ground, and it basically just ends with everyone, you know, tied to the ground in ivy, waiting for mm. the ivy to go off so the fight can continue. Which must be quite strange for everyone involved. Yeah, um, sort of hanging about. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, Baldur's Gate's got like powerful magic but it's also a little chaotic for my liking oh i tell you mm. what i love in the Baldur's gate games and divinity for that matter. it's just summoning stuff oh yeah yeah I'm anything that allows you to yeah yeah to get someone else to come in and do your dirty work for you while you just sit back and you know hurl fire into the mix is cracking yeah i'm a big believer in just like can we double the size of our party to win? And like that, that'll be <laughs> yeah. that tactic. Because it's also good because they take the brunt of all the pain. You summon some like, you know, you meet some mystical bird who's like, you saved my egg and now I will be forever indebted to you. And then you basically just summon it to the battle so everyone else can kick its face in. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I always think summoning's an interesting, like, chance to try out different things because if you've got a party who you're really attached to you'll play very conservatively mm. because you don't want them to get basted whereas if you just got some chump bear that gets sucked in from another dimension to die <laughs> you, can, you know you can just use it like a 
like a bullet. <laughs> you know, you don't care about its life. It's <laughs> it has no character. It has no persistence. It will be forced back from the grave um, to die for you again next time you want it. And it, you know, it makes you think about fights in a completely different way because you, you've got these things on the battlefield that are just pawns to you. Mm. Though, what, what in Baldur's Gate three? There's there's a summon animal, and then you get like a list of animals you can summon, and some of them are like obviously like big dangerous things, but then you can also summon a crab. And I often wonder, like, are some of these just joke options, or is there going to be like one incredibly difficult fight where having a crab to hand, you know, might actually turn the tables in some weird way? Like the guy's got a crab allergy, or you know, the guy used to have a crab and it makes him feel sentimental. It's honestly like my biggest incentive to play the game right now. I'm really excited about that. But it does make you think about druids, doesn't it? Because like, they're meant to like love nature and befriend animals and stuff. But, you know, when you think they're basically just, yeah, treating these majestic animals as cannon fodder, you've got to wonder, haven't you? <laughs> It's, all just, it's just PR that they're into animals. <laughs> yeah, they're into animals in the same way that, like, Soviet commissars were into human life. <laughs> <laughs> it's useful. <laughs> oh, that went dark. <laughs> yeah. I once again just struck by the the sort of contradiction at the heart of Nate which is that in real life he loves animals but when in a video game he has the opportunity to <laughs> they're just dirt to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah we see on the flip side in real life I'm all big talk you know like yeah bang on the tank <laughs> um, but in video games like I wouldn't hurt a soul that's uh... <laughs> Oh, we're like mirror, mirror yeah. universe dickheads. <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean, perhaps it's time to move on to the cavern place. Oh, before we do, a quick one yes. I wanted to shout out as um, a game that doesn't get talked about a lot anymore because overall it was quite rubbish, but it did have some real uh, cracking ideas in it. And one of them, I should say what the game was first, is black and white. But I really liked the waggling your mouse pointer around to cast magic spells. Yeah. That really stuck out to me. And honestly, I'm surprised more games haven't done it since because it genuinely was fun. And, you know, the technology was a bit janky then. It would be great fun now. There was, there is a game, oh, I can never remember its name. Um Oh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. No, one of the early arcane games before they were doing Dishonored had a spell system where you basically, I think you sort of slowed time and then you drew symbols with the mouse to activate your spells. Um, but I can't, it wasn't Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, that I don't think arcane made that. I might be wrong. No, they did. It had an incredible magic system. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. Um, you find all those, you break into Dr. Robotnik's office and you can read all his papers to learn his backstory. Um, 
Yeah, I also there, there was quite a good. Um, there's the sort of JRPG Nino Cooney, um, which is made by Level Five. They made it with Studio Gib- Ghibli. Ghibli, I never yeah. know how you know it's pronounced. Yeah. And they uh, in the DS game in the Nintendo DS version that had a uh, using the touch screen to draw like runes for your spells. And the game came with a physical spell book that you had to look through. So you had to flip through the book to get the symbols. For real? Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Never localized in the, for the West, unfortunately. It was a Japanese-only thing. So I remember we did an import review when I was on Endgamer and trying to play a massive JRPG where I can't speak a word of Japanese with this huge spell book. And it's, it's basically just me kind of like incinerating everything I met because I was putting in the wrong runes. And... <laughs> Just an idiot with so much power. Well, that's brilliant. That's like the sort of Rincewind experience, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, recently, a little shout out for, I, I, I didn't play much this game because I really bounced off it, but I remember our RPS review being quite positive. There's a, a, a an RPG called Outward, um, which is kind of a RPG with quite heavy sort of survival mechanics. You know, it had like, you know, uh, stomach meter and rest meter and all this kind of stuff but it treated magic in a similarly kind of um quite stern way in that it could be really powerful but you had to craft lots of like weird rune stones to combine and it it made it was actually quite hard to pass but when you did kind of break through it magic could be quite powerful so there was a lot of stuff about i think you had to sort of stand in kind of um you could generate like little patches of land where certain magics were amplified and it would turn like a fire starting kind of you know tiny fireball into like a a, a more kind of offensive fireball uh but i quite like the idea of magic being hard to understand and kind of having to pick it apart and you know the sense of getting a big breakthrough rather than you just pick up a scroll and then anyone can you know shoot a tidal wave out there, gob or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a big, big rule in fantasy, you know, world building that magic's always got to have a, a, a proportionate price. Mm. Uh, it should really be really difficult to do if it's any good, or it should be easy and rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you can conjure a worm, big deal. Mm. You know, you want a tiger, well, be prepared to chew your own hand off first that's the price i like magic i like games where magic spells grow in like you know so you have only a a few basic types but they get increasingly powerful so like some of the final fantasies have you can do a fire attack but by the time in final fantasy 15 you're doing like the biggest fire attack it's it basically sets a light to like you know the entire countryside that you're standing in which is quite which is quite jolly um you know, the idea of like unlimited power and that in theory it could keep on going and going and getting bigger and bigger is quite fun. What, so the spell gets bigger with each successive Final Fantasy game? No, no, no. Within the game itself, it's you sort of you get like fire elemental crystals and like the more of them you put in to any given spell, the bigger it is. So you like craft a spell out of fire crystals. So if you put in 10, it's just a fireball. But if you put in like a thousand it's going to be you know 
basically oh, the, the end of civilization. <laughs> I completely misunderstood. I thought you meant there, there had been one spell going through all the fancy Final Fantasy games that had been getting bigger. And I'm just going yeah. to Final Fantasy Twenty. You I, cast it. And you just I, I was I'd love that a chronological series where like magic is growing intensity over time. So the yeah. natural power curve of the entire franchise is just constantly going up and up. That would be great. Yeah, Final Fantasy XXV just comes with a bomb (laughs) (laughs) that goes off as soon as you boot up the game. (laughs) That would be really good. Sounds sounds like the sort of thing you'd make up for the Cavern of Lies, eh, Alice? Yay! There you go. Did my segue for me. Do you want to do a sting, lads? Kevin of Lies. Very good. Uh, the cavern this week is presented in association with Mr. Mistopheles and Matthew Castle. Hello, it's me, Mr. Mistopheles from the the hit musical Cats <laughs> and the failed movie Cats. Should I do his theme tune? Uh, it's me, Mr. Mistopheles, with my hat and coat. That wasn't. It. He cat. literally has a song, and that wasn't I even in tune. <laughs> I know how it goes. Oh, go on then. Give it. Give it. Give me a burst of my song then. <laughs> Mustafa's the magical cat. He's got a gun. He's got a hat. He's got a set of razor claws. He can see through walls and doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I. I and I resent that power. As well, that's the, that's the tragedy at the heart of Mr. Mistopheles. I never you, you are both professional writers and you couldn't on the fly think of a rhyme for cat apart from hat. Well, Nate was much better than mine. All I had was he wears a hat and a coat. So it's like... Yeah, in, in and fair, he doesn't. He's a cat. I yeah, think he does wear a hat. I do wear a hat. I think I do. Yeah, sorry, I apologise. You know, there was a there was an existing topic of magicians, and they're just unavoidably associated with hats. Of course, he had one, mm. and of course, he has one. Don't you, Mister Mistopheles? I do. Here, have a kibble. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, what's uh, what's in your magical cavern today, so, Mister uh, I uh, I've 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 got some magics I want to test on you, and okay. you've got um, you've got some dispel spells. So you can dispel the magics that are real and you can just take the magics that are fake because obviously, you know, they're not going to do anything. So uh, with each spell I'm going to use on you, you've got to tell me whether or not it's uh, real and uh, we'll see if you can survive uh, five spells to the face. Ah, okay. What are you testing here, Mr. Mistopheles? What uh, Are these real spells in video games? Oh, okay. Oh, you. So you don't know whether the scrolls are real, and uh... well, I, well, I do because I'm I'm Mr. Mistopheles, the magical cat. <laughs> so, so you, I wouldn't say this test is exactly benefiting the field of human endeavour. It, it's more a, uh, you know, it's, us more, of a, it's, with it's more of a game show than test. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cat, so he doesn't care, does he? Listen, you've oh, come into true. my cave. This is the condition for being in the cave. I'm going to throw <laughs> five spells at you. You have to decide whether they're fake or real. If they're real, <laughs> you can dispel them and you're fine. If they're not real, you don't dispel them and it doesn't matter. 
So, so like, whoever's running the cave that week is really defensive about their cave. <laughs> I just listen. I like. I'm, I'm I'm a bit touchy about criticism since the film came out. So yeah, sure. just 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 give me this one. I just need a win. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. The first spell I'm going to cast at you is from Divinity Original Sin 2, and this actually ties in perfectly to something I heard you discussing outside of the cave earlier. <laughs> yeah, uh, with your cat hearing. Well, and also I can see through walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I could see you talking about this. Uh, you remember see the us talking about it. I read your lips. That's another of my skills. Um <laughs> In Divinity Original Sin 2, there is a spell called Summon Richard, in which you summon a peasant called Richard, who proceeds to complain about you summoning him while drawing attention away from the party. Uh, I can explain this to you. He is a guy you help in Fort Joy, and he says he's forever in your debt, which allows you to teleport him into battle. Uh, but he also claims that he never thought you'd cash in the favour, which is why he complains a lot. <laughs> and uh, one popular tactic with Summon Richard is to summon him and then cast Flaming Crescendo on him, which basically dooms him to explode, so it turns him into like a human bomb, because you, you could normally do this on your other party members, um, right. but uh, it kills them in the process. So this is basically a free body for you to explode. They do do a lot of silly things, but I feel there's... Where is Fort Joy the the one on the island you start at? Yes, the first island, yeah. I'm pretty sure I rinsed that place. I don't remember this man. It's dense with quests. Oh, it is. We we know it's dense with quests, mate. Don't... Don't give it that. We know it's dense with quests. I'm just explaining for people who maybe don't know Divinity. I think this is maybe a bit too silly for Larian. Oh, but Mistopheles would want to come out the gate with something that sounds ridiculous. That's true, but I I don't know. There was a you know how you always say like you feel there was too much detail in in the lie. Yeah. Well, I only included it because it's a fun little fact about it. A lot of these are seem patchier because there's just not very in, many interesting things to say about them. But it's going defensive now as well. And that's <laughs> fine. I, I like if you want to if you want to dispel Richard, you will be wasting one of your dispel spells. But that's fine. <laughs> no, bring uh, on Richards. Reverse psychology, eh? Um, I don't know. I I just can't help but think. Um, in the starting area, which I've played through more than any of the others, because mm. I've started the game three times over. Yeah. I never came across a Richard. Would you happen to remember what you save him from? Uh, I don't. You don't remember what you save him from, but you remember He's a just, specific tactic. No, because I was reading the Wikipedia about it. Oh, and the Wikipedia doesn't say. Oh what no, you it, say has, it has like the name of the quest, but I don't know what the quest. I can't remember what the quest no, involved. No, see, no, I, 
Go this on, Simon is... Richard. I'd like a word with them. I'd like to dispel. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Simon Richard. Sorry, I'm, I'm so getting confused. You think this is ooh la la? Yeah, I think this is a big fat ooh, ooh la la. Well, I, re- I regret to inform you that Richard is ooh la la. Ah. Ah. I knew I should have had a quest plan for him. <laughs> I thought, do I need to go that deep? I thought, nah. I think that's it. If it's a game that you're renowned for loving, you, you know, you you got to bring oh, all yeah. the I, I just did. Ah, oh, god damn it! I, sh- I was, I was like, do I pick a later area in the game so that yeah. you know people go with it? God damn it! I did right. ask myself all these questions and I just didn't answer them. <laughs> and so it fell apart. All right. Looks like we've got an early head start against this horrible cat. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, actually, that makes this whole cave extra weird, you doing that impression, because Ian McKellen um, is in Cats. <laughs> he plays Gus the theatre cat in the film. So I feel oh, like no. I'm being boosted by one of my old friends. It's <laughs> <laughs> Swifty here. <laughs> Right, your next spell that you can choose whether it is nice or ooh la la is from Black and White. And ah, okay. it's called Holy Flies. When you cast mm. a spell, or miracle, as Black and White calls them, on your creature, it causes it to be surrounded with flies and it scratches itself uncontrollably and is unable to perform any actions while the spell is active. Uh, now, it's been a while since I've played Black and White, so I can't really remember how useful this is or isn't. Um, but it's mainly used to just stop them in the middle of doing an action you don't like, so taking a big dump in your greenhouse, for example. Um, okay. So, yeah, Holy Flies, is that nice? Or ooh la la? Interesting. So it's a, it's a creature miracle, then? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't well, why would you this. do that to your poor ape? Because you're Wait, it's it, about to t- take a dump in, in on your food and make everyone sick. So you'd be like, no, bad. it's like bad, bad creature. I do, oh, that, that's actually very poor ethics, though. Like, if you had a, a dog that you were, like, training not to poo on the carpet, you wouldn't just, like... Surround it with insects. Well, and that would make your house even worse. So, no, yeah. definitely not. And the dog well, you would do, I mean, nothing. So, I played black and white a lot, and I'm trying to. What was the uh, the hand shape you had to do for it, Matthew? In in my mind, it wasn't actually a symbol. It was like an. It was like a spell, like a potion. You threw it somewhere. You threw it at the creature. Okay, no, that was a trap I set for him because creature miracles are bottles. So, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, you can't pull one on over old Mister Mastopheles. <laughs> um, I, I am leaning towards this one being true, but I'm not. I don't remember this one specifically. Is my because it seems yeah, like quite exactly a, the same. It seems like one of those 
it, it's it, it's like you were saying earlier. It's a spell that doesn't. It's not really very useful. <laughs> so why would you ever really use it? You know. Um, yeah, because you could just batter the creature if. Yeah. That's what when when I got that game, I think for Christmas or a birthday. I remember um, just punching the living daylights out of the creature <laughs> just to see it like bruise, and my mum really told me off. <laughs> oh my god, Matthew! So horrible. So Matthew, you've the- always been like this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like why we don't take you to the aquarium, she said. <laughs> um. I I'm gonna say I I'm leaning towards a nice on this one, but I'm I'm willing to take the flies. But just because um, of just because of Matthew not falling into the the trap I set. Mm. I'm gonna go. Gonna go. Nice. I think. Do you, are you backing me on that note? Yeah, I'm going to actually, his reaction to it was either some of the most chillingly, like, natural lying I've ever heard, <laughs> or, uh, or, yeah, that was a genuine reaction. So, yeah, I'm going to nice it. Yeah, we're going to cast a spell to get rid of the flies, please. And you are wise too, because this one is nice. Yay! Nice. No holy flies on you. I mean, could have just used a can of uh, deodorant, really. Flies yeah. hate that. But. All right, and we'll try this next one on for size. This is from Noiter, and I am going to summon a hollow egg. And this summons an otherwise empty egg that casts a spell upon cracking open. It doesn't do any damage to enemies. It only does damage to itself in order to crack open. When it does crack, it casts the next spell in your wand. So it's quite good for turning other spells into a grenade-like projectile. Some people use the hollow egg as a self-defense. As a, sorry, hang on. Some people use the hollow egg as a self-defense. As if you get turned into a sheep, you could automatically drop the egg so that you have a defensive spell to unsheep you. So it's quite handy. Why did you start laughing then, Matthew? Because the word's hot. It's funny. The word hollow egg is funny. It is funny. It is funny. A hollow egg. Mm. I don't know. Hmm. Ooh. Well, it's a sorrowful pop in the distance. Was that in the cavern? Yeah. That was the the sorrowful car outside my flat. Um... That's, that I was, think that was Rum Tum Tugger but honking his car because he wants me to come and hang out. <laughs> what, a le- what a ledge! Is that James Corden? Uh, no, no, he's um, uh, he's Mister Ben, not Mister Benoffy. What's that big fat one called? He's like Bumbleton Mr. Skanks Benoffy. or something. <laughs> I can't remember. Skanks. <laughs> I can't remember what he's called. Something like that. It's all sort of nonsense, um, isn't it? I think Mr. Mistopheles is played by, not Mr. I think um, the Rum Tum Tugger is played by, uh, oh God, it's a, fa- it's, it's a famous um, singer and he's American, but he's doing like a, an English, a kind of Cockney accent almost. Um, mm. But I, I, can't remember, I can't remember who, 
Um, uh, James Corden is either. He's a big Jason fan. Derulo. Just looked it up. Jason Derulo plays him in the film. Oh, I've got a great running bit with uh, Ashley's little sister where I just insist that she's Jason Derulo <laughs> for entire days <laughs> and just talk to her in character as someone talking to Jason Derulo. It, it amuses me greatly. As long as she doesn't actually believe well, she is Jason Derulo. That's the end goal. <laughs> anyway, um, I think... I think I, the hollow egg is real. I buy the egg. Because that's the sort of thing that, that is in Noiter, and I know you can turn into a sheep in Noiter. Um, and the detail that like it does damage to itself to break itself is, I think, within the physics systems of Noiter. So I it's, think it's certainly, it, I think it sounds very realistic, so I think you're right to go with this one. You really sounded like you were reading off a of Wikipedia as well at one point. Mm. Oh, let's say nice. So I chuck the hollow egg at you, and the spell spell works because it is indeed nice. Yes, for you. Oh, just, I'm, just, I'm struggling to get any past you today. My spells are waning in this cave. Um, right, this next one is from Gwent. It's a Gwent, Gwent. card. Uh. It's a spell called Beckford Strings, as in the strings of someone called Beckford. Um, this is a puppet master power in Gwent that refers mm-hmm. to a famous Novigrad puppeteer, Tobias Beckford, who Geralt encounters in one of his many adventures. You cast this card, allowing you to take direct control of a rival unit, moving them between ranks, or bringing them over to your side, should that be beneficial. It's an epic Gwent card, so reasonably desirable. Just say one more time what it does. <laughs> you cast it, and it lets you take over a rival card and move it about, so like a puppet master, and you move it between ranks, or you can bring it over to your side and get the benefit of what that card does. So if placing that card adds two units to that line, for example, bringing it over to your side would give you that benefit. This seems fishy to me, and I will tell you for why. It's because the uh, concept and name of this is a lot like Summon Christopher. (laughs) In that it involves... Summon Richard, please. Summon Richard, sorry, yeah. Summon Richard. Please respect my (laughs) 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 Because... You've got name of NPC, uh, and the, and then you've got the detail of who who this NPC is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I think that it is not true. Mm. Uh, I also I don't know if that, I don't know anything about Gwent, but that doesn't sound very epic to me. Well, some of the cards like the. Their rarity isn't necessarily attached to the quality of the spell. It's like the character. It's like, you know, getting Roach, for example, the horse is like a cool... It doesn't do much, but it's a cool thing to have, so it's more valuable. And Tobias Beckford being, you know, an interesting, colourful character, people like to own his card. Oh, no, no. But he's 
never heard anyone mention this man before. Like, like there are loads of articles about how great the bloody Baron quest is and but stuff. But that's, that's no only articles about that. That's all anyone talks about is the bloody Baron, because that's how far they get in the game. If they went beyond the bloody Baron and got to Novigrad, they'd have this classic mission involving a puppeteer. It's not a classic mission if nobody likes it. Well, I like it. All right, what's the mission? Someone's stolen his puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got you there. <laughs> 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 oh, Someone has stolen his puppets and you have to get them back. <laughs> oh, classic. <laughs> you backed yourself into a corner there, didn't you? <laughs> Ooh la la. <laughs> Honestly, that was what an amazing job of demolishing the witness. <laughs> I was there in front of Methuselah ready to chug the pimp cup or as you spotted Jesus' mug. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's ooh la la. <laughs> oh, when you, when you question the quest of Richard, like even in my head, oh, I should probably get ahead of this for the other ones. Um. Uh, right. One more. <laughs> Don't you wish I was a quest designer on The Witcher? In a way. Uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> In Tobias Beckford, what a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> please oh yeah sorry right your last one can you make it five for five uh this is Baldur's gate three and it's called otto's irresistible dance fake <laughs> well let me explain i haven't got a huge amount of info about this one because it's, I think it's been found in Baldur's Gate 3, but isn't necessarily in the early access, but it's in the game. Uh, I, uh, no, no, I haven't no, got a huge amount of info about this one because I've learned from my last mistakes. And, <laughs> let uh, me explain. Let me explain. This is, this is, it's on the Wikipedia, so it must be in the game. The target has to succeed on a wisdom save or they will dance, which gives them a disadvantage on dexterity saves and attack rolls. Um, you can't even make it through this. It's too, it's too high a level for what you get in early access. Um, so that's why I haven't seen it in action and can't really describe it in any better detail to you. Or answer the most basic of questions. Well, I'll, like, I'll try, but I, I, I promise you this is, this is, this is real. Um, it's, it's like an infamously, it's a notorious spell from D&D. People are like, why is it here? Wait, sorry, what, say that again. So what was the name of it? Otto's Irresistible Dance. Who's Otto? Right. I, I don't know. I have no idea. 
I'm just putting my hands up. I'm sorry that I don't have the details, but I'm putting my hands up on that one saying I don't know. Uh, yeah, see, I play D&D, but I've never played a magic user because I can't be bothered with the rules for magic in D&D. Um, I think people are confused um, about this one because it's quite high level. So by the time you're that high level, like the wizard or bard or whatever is doing so many powerful spells, the idea that you just need to make someone dance seems preposterous, which is why people question its usefulness. I'm just loving the idea of Otto's resistible dance. <laughs> it's like dad at a wedding. Um, I no, mean, come on. I, yeah, I, I feel like given, given our, our past history in this particular cabin of flies, I'm not really feeling Otto's irresistible dance. I'm going to say, Ooh la la. Yeah, yeah. We've, you, you've nailed them so far. I've got to go with you. I cast Otto's irresistible dance, and lo and behold, your feet start jigging on the spot. Yay! It is indeed <laughs> nice. We're going to have to dance our way out of here while this cat laughs at us. <laughs> Victory for the Stuffelies! I have to say, uh, well played on that last one. I, I must admit, I have not considered as a tactic before biffing most of it. <laughs> yes, it was a long game. <laughs> <laughs> lulling us into a full sense of security for the very last one. Oh, I think we're getting good enough at the cavern that we should make it that it's like um, instant death. So like, if, yeah. if you fail one, you've lost the cavern. You have <laughs> okay. to ace it or you, you've lost. So right. Matthew did actually win this time. Yeah, that's okay. a good rule. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> when when you you heard yourself say well i like the quest was it- <laughs> yeah then i was like oh no in my head it was like you shouldn't have said that she's gonna ask you think quick think quick <laughs> and what did my what did my galaxy size brain come up with you have to is stolen, <laughs> of course. I love that. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, thank you very much, listener, for joining us uh, for this episode 126 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best magics in game special. Uh, all that remains now is for us to do our recommendations because we recommend things that aren't games every week. Uh, do you want... I, I've got one I can go first. Do you want? Go for it. Uh, I just finished reading The Sellout by Paul Beatty, which is a 2016 novel for which he won the Man Booker Prize. Um, and uh, it's about a, um, well, I guess the protagonist is kind of a, he's like a, a middle-aged um, black guy living in a, um, a, it was a city sort of on the outskirts of LA uh, called Dickens. Uh, and then it gets its its township revoked and he, he, um, kind of sets about uh, restoring it as a city, as a town, um, by uh, racially segregating it. Um, even though it's it's basically an entirely uh, black and Latino neighbourhood, um, 
it's very, very funny and very, very good and very interesting and very well written. And I heartily recommend it. Mm. Uh, Mistopheles. Uh, I'm going to recommend a film I watched last night. I watched uh, a film called Good Morning by the Japanese film director Ozu. His first name is... I don't know, because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to quickly look it up, because that's embarrassing. Yasujiro Ozu, the legendary Japanese film director. And this was a... Fi- this was a a, a sort of small family comedy from the late fifties about two boys who kind of um, sort of go on a kind of forced silence because their parents won't buy a TV set. Um, but it's just beautifully observed little comedy, really sweet performances from the two kids, an absolutely hilarious running joke about kids sort of farting on demand. Which, which is quite odd for the, the the time, you know. You know, Ozu being a, a legendary film director, I didn't really think he'd ever made a very big fart based film, but it turned out he had. Mm. Um, yeah. And there's a really good running joke about uh, all these kids farting because there's a local man in their neighbourhood who's very good at farting on cue, and whenever he does it, his wife thinks he's calling her, so she sticks her head <laughs> around the door and she's like, "Yes," and he just sort of ignores her, which really, really made me laugh. Um, it was just really sweet, positive, nice thing. So, good morning by Ozu. Check it out. Okay. Powerful. Uh, Nate, what have you got this week? Uh, do the fish tank first. Um, reverse recommendation first. Uh, have I talked about Iron Man on the podcast before? No. I mean, probably, but not, in, you know. The fish. In relation to fish. Um, a while ago, while I was at my local fish shop picking up some fish, I'm quite friendly with the owner. And he'd had some fish in from somewhere, and a random fish had come in with them, which looked, well, it was some kind of live bearer or small killifish. So I figured I knew the territory. And he said, not sure what this is. It just came in randomly with some other stuff. Do you want it? Mm-hmm. So I did, and I took it. And uh, I called him Iron Man. And uh, I used him as a sort of, uh, to break in tanks. So I'd put him in first, because low bio load, just to get things going. But eventually, he had to live with some other fish. And... There is absolutely no pleasant way to say this. He's a sex pest in a really bad way. Um, He will not stop molesting anything I put him with. Um, And it's quite upsetting. He's going to have to go to prison. So I suppose the lesson here (laughs) is, you know, don't just take the random fish. There's a a reason it's there, you know. Bit of a downer, but I think an important ethical lesson there. Okay. Uh, It's also terrible that he's called Iron Man now because that's ruined a fun character for me. Uh, Speaking of fun characters, my recommendation, uh, talking about wizards made me think of uh, the books by Joe Abercrombie. 
um, called the... It starts with The Blade itself. I think it's the first lore trilogy. Because um, they feature my favorite wizard in fiction, who's a guy called Baez, and he's like... He, he's... he's um, He's a real brutal critique of the sort of Gandalf idea because um, he seems like that at first, this sort of cheerful figure with hidden depths helping people through the world. Uh, but then you realize he's he's more like Walter White than anything else. Um, <laughs> he's just this incredibly chilling, entirely artificial sociopath uh, manipulating the world to his own ends. Ooh. And it's... It's Brill. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, it's seriously good. They're some of the um, IMHO, some of the best fantasy books I've read. Uh, and I've read them a couple of times. They're that good. So, yeah, I will just uh, do a double check. But it's the first Lord Trilogy, and it starts with The Blade itself. Yeah. Lovely. I will make a note of that. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. Good recommendations, both. Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, thank you for joining us once again, listener. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and Mr. Mistopheles is excellent cabin of lights. Uh, <laughs> and that you have a lovely week and a lovely weekend. Uh, we are, I've got to do all this stuff, haven't I? So, uh, we are on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, uh, if you search for Rock Paper Shotgun, we have a YouTube, uh, we have a merch store, uh, which is all going to be linked in the show notes. We have, uh, new website it's still www.rockpapershotgun.com but it's got a new look please do not write in telling us you don't like it i know um and <laughs> i like it i like it i like it different. podcast hangs around at the top a bit longer which is good <laughs> yeah it's it's like when facebook changes and people are like Rah. um uh and uh yeah go there for all your pc gaming needs uh and check out our sister podcast which is the pc gaming week spot uh, it comes out on Tuesdays, uh, and it's Matthew Castle discussing the current events of the PC Gaming Week with uh, Colin Mahan. Uh, did I forget anything? I think it's everything, isn't it? Uh, that right? Yeah, merch. Right. <laughs> I said the merch. Got a merch store. Got a new oh, merch yeah. coming. It's always coming. Our, our merch store is like uh, Schrodinger's T-shirt. Like you. <laughs> You look at it, there might be something new, or <laughs> well, there might not. Um, uh, yeah, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, and we'll see you again next week. It's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. Uh, it's goodbye from Mr. Mistopheles. Goodbye. Bye from Gandalf the shit. I will not say, do not weep, for not all tears are shit.